Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. Little technical difficulty because it's Monday. Um, (laughs) It's also Monday right before Christmas. If you celebrate, everyone's rushing around. And I'm so excited because we have a great holiday book to talk about today and get you all in the mood. And if you don't have a copy yet, I hope you'll run out and grab a copy right away. So our guest today is New York Times bestseller Lisa Renee Jones. Another Lisa. Yay, Team Lisa. Um, (laughs) And if you have not read her yet... Um, I'm going to go ahead and read her bio and get you guys all up to speed. Lisa Renee Jones is New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of the highly acclaimed Inside Out series. In addition to the success of Lisa's Inside Out series, the Tall, Dark, and Deadly series and the Secret Life of Amy Benson series both spent several months on the combination New York Times and USA Today best-selling list. Her other best-selling series include Dirty Rich and White Lies. So she has a lot of books out there for you to binge read over the holiday, guys. Prior to publishing, Lisa owned a multi-state staffing agency and was recognized many times by the Austin Business Journal and also praised by the Dallas Women's Magazine. In 1998, Lisa was listed as the number seven growing women-owned business and entrepreneur magazine. Lisa loves to hear from her readers, and I did put a link to her website right there on the blog talk page. So if you're listening live, go ahead and click that. You can sign up for her newsletter, check out all the books, and she's also active on Twitter and Facebook every day. So check in. Um, Lisa, are you there? I am here. Hi, everyone. Yay! <laughs> and you're in Texas right now, aren't you? No, I'm in Colorado. Yeah, I'm from Texas, but oh, you're I live in Colorado. Colorado. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's yeah, very cold it, there right now, right? No, it's crazy. I texted my son in Texas. I'm like, well, why is it warmer here than it is there? I mean, it's crazy. We're having like a weird warmth spell. It, it was 63 yesterday. So What? Yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm in San Diego, and it was warmer where you are. What? <laughs> I know. How can this even be? I mean, you know, I grew up in Texas where I wore shorts every Christmas. And one of the things I love about Colorado is the seasons. But, uh, yeah, no, we're not we're not doing the season <laughs> thing this year, apparently. <laughs> no, no white Christmas for you. Well, we have snow left over from a couple weeks ago, and it does not go away quickly, even with this. So we still have snow on the ground, but it's not the same. And um, But we're very whiplash here. I mean, we're going to be in the 30s next week. So, you know, that's how it is. But we're also at a very high altitude, so people don't realize that when it's like 30 here, it feels like 40 someplace else. It feels much warmer here than other places. So the only time it really feels cold is once we get down in the 20s. Then it feels cold. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So tell us about Tangled Up in Christmas. Christmas Cowboys, right? It is. It is. You know, um, so I'm from Texas. So I based it in Texas because I thought that was fun to go back to my Texas roots. Um, 
family and just uh, I grew up in a um, school that you know we called it a kicker school so everybody was cowboys and I I joined ag because all the hot guys were in there and raised hogs because of that that kind of thing nobody who knows me now is you raise hogs yes so um, and what's fun about this story is it's based in a little town called Sweetwater Texas which is a real town but I didn't know it was a real town, even though I'm from Texas. I know that's crazy. So it's real. And I started getting all these um, emails and stuff from people who knew Sweetwater, which was really fun. I have one particular um, reader who brought me some really cool stuff from Sweetwater that I, when I was at a signing. So, so cool. So cute little town. And so it was fun to get back to all my Texas, you know, roots um, and, you know, bring that to the story i hope that people will enjoy that part of it for sure and it's a second chance romance um so um they have a history yeah so i always think you know that that in the holiday spirit i thought a second chance was great because isn't that what a holiday is all about bringing people back together so you know yeah well and for for me as a romance reader I love enemies to lovers and I love second chance romances. I just, I eat them up. Um, There's something about the angst of, you know, how have we changed and how's it going to be different this time? And it's like catnip for me. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, in this case, um, in this town, there's, um, anytime you've got small town, you've got a lot of family connection too. And I think, um, you know, that with the holiday families always at the top of our list, the good and the bad, and the ugly, right? I mean, there's always those family dramas. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, um, in, in a small town, I think it's uh, highlighted even more because everybody knows everybody's business. Um, it's right. kind of like taking a family <laughs> and making it a little bit bigger, you know. So I'm from uh-huh. Boston, so I'm from a bigger a bigger city. But um, you get a lot of small town um, feel anytime you're in Texas, I think. I mean, Austin, we always used to say it was a big city pretending to be a small town. So when I grew up, it still was that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a friend who lives in Elgin, which is out, right outside of Austin. Oh, yeah. And when I went to visit her, yeah. I loved Austin. It's such a great town. They have everywhere keep Austin weird. And yeah, it's just a, an interesting yeah, corner I mean, I of Texas. Up, it is. I mean, one of the things I always loved about Austin was um, all the different people that are there I mean you find everyone um so I grew up in a Mm -hmm. place where it was a very accepting wonderful place because there was so much diversity there in every possible way but I mean you leave and you go to another city in Texas and they're very different um Austin's kind of right um you know when they say keep Austin weird it's even weird for the part of Texas that we loved that about it right um, Uh you know (laughs) Yeah, so, I mean, but but Texas still, I mean, when you come down to it, I mean, it's cowboy boots and, you know, don't get me wrong, there's always the cowboy boots and billionaires who are in, um, you know, pickup trucks and, like, you can never judge anybody in Texas by are they in cowboy boots and a pickup truck because they could be, you know, one of the many Texas, you know, very wealthy people who Oil. never get out of um, cow. Yeah, they never get out of cowboy booth, and they're always going to be in their pickup truck. They don't care how much money they have. Um, so that's that's a great thing about Texas, though, because isn't that kind of a uniter that we all seem, you know, 
down to earth, mm-hmm. you know. So I love that about my right. Texas story to bring that part of it out. I mean, of course, there's assholes and oh, am I supposed to say that? Sorry, but jerks and every place. <laughs> <laughs> but in Texas, you know, there's usually a lot of manners <laughs> and a lot of good eating and a lot of good people. <laughs> It's now, hot. This book, um, <laughs> this book, Tangled Up in Christmas, is book two of Texas Heat, right? Do you know how many books there's going to be in the series? Um, probably just two because of my writing schedule. We had talked about doing a couple more, and I had wanted to do a few more, but I just think it's going to be too long before I get to them. So these are two best oh. friends, and you don't have to read them in order, um, but um, you know, so the the two guys that are the heroes. Um, they're very different, um, and they're so the hero in Tangled Up in Christmas. He is um, what you would call a horse whisperer. Though for the books we call him a horse wrangler because of trademark issues. But uh, horse whisperer. He um, and he's a veterinarian, and he travels around um, to other places outside of Sweetwater to actually um, help take care of special horse needs, but then there's actually horses brought into him too for that too, for health reasons and racing horses and all of that. So he's, um, he's a much more gentler soul than the hero from the truth about cowboys because the truth about cowboys, he's kind of, well, he is a jerk, but because he's had a lot of loss <laughs> and pain and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's always great when the guy who's a jerk becomes not such a jerk because a woman, you know, Saves him, <laughs> and that's what the yeah. Truth about she Gal makes him into is. a better man. <laughs> she does. She does. He's also a pro baseball player who his parents died in a plane crash, and he came back to find out that they were in a lot of trouble. And he ends up, you know, kind of walking away from his um, baseball career. And um, she actually brings him back to it. You know, rather than holding him back, she makes him step back up and realize that, you know, he can cut, step out of his grief into, you know, his success without feeling guilt for going on with life. So, I mean, that's really, it's really a story about healing. And I think that, you know, Tangled Up in Christmas is too, because despite the fact that it's a second chance romance, there's also a lot of um, family pain and heartache there that, you know, between the two of them, they find their way back to each other. And through all that family drama, actually bring a lot of people back together. I mean, the holidays, um, you know, always you hope that that, it, that there are time when you unite. For some reason, the rest of the year we don't, but at Christmas time we get past all of those things or whatever holidays That's we celebrate. True. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, holidays so, tend to bring families back together and forgiveness goes hand in hand with that. You hope, you hope, not always, but in at least in um, Tangled Up in Christmas, there's a good happily ever after, and, um, you know, I think uh, I tried to put in uh, things that really make, it, it, you know, it actually starts with Halloween, so there's a big Halloween party, and so it goes all the way through the holidays, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and then it oh, ends yay. with Christmas, so, yeah. Yeah, I I write paranormals, so Halloween is like my time of year. So if it starts on Halloween, you got me. <laughs> I used to write uh, paranormals. I love paranormal, and my husband believes that Halloween is the best holiday ever, and it is a holiday. Oh, and he loves paranormal. Yes, stuff it too. is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, paranormal fun. I I. I love reading it and writing it. And we were just talking about Sherilyn Kenyon before we came on. And 
We um, were, oh, yeah. Oh, God, I got, yeah, gobbled up her her books just back-to-back. I remember when Asher came out on audio, and I was like, yes. and Holter Graham was reading it, and I'm like, I can't wait. And I was, like, so absorbed with that book. And I'm a huge Holter Graham uh, audio fan, so having him mm-hmm. read that, he did such a great job. So I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who are listening who know what I'm talking about. Right. Holter <laughs> and Sherilyn together, what a combination. Yeah. She has you such, know, a, I, such a humor so... to her writing. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. She does. Well, I was going to say, I asked her once if she listens to her audiobooks because he's so fabulous. And it was so funny. She said I she has a phobia about hearing her stuff read out loud because when she was younger and writing, one of her brothers picked up her stuff and was teasing her with it, reading it out loud. So she said even when they go to joint signings where he's with her, if he says he's going to read some of her stuff, she's like, oh, I'm leaving the room. <laughs> so she's never heard her her audiobooks. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, I, I can't listen to all of them, but my, um, probably my, my biggest series and the one that's been like in development in Hollywood forever. I mean, I guess I should say that's good because, you know, it's not out of development and it's actually kind of moving again, but, um, is my inside out series. And, um, so the narrator for that is Grace Grant. And, um, I swear she was at her best reading that because as I was, what was great for me was as I was writing the rest of the books, I would go and listen to her read the first earlier books and it would like bring me back into the world. And she actually reads my Lila Love series too under another pen name or I don't know that you call it a pen name when they're narrators, but under another name. And um, I did the same thing with that. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, I remember all the details so well. And she pulls me back in the world. I love that actually. When the narrator makes my world yeah. seem better than I thought I made it, I'm like, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, when yeah. my uh, when my Moon series came out in audio, Audible did it like I don't know three years after the books all came out. So when I was listening to them, it was you know years since I had written them, and hearing the narrators bring everything to life, I was like, wow, it was really it, it, I thought uh, it was it really feels, cool. It, it is, and it feels so special to have them turn it into their you know version of it and to do it so well what i thought was so incredible about the way grace grant read my inside out series is there's two male characters that are so you know dominant in their own ways and she but so different too and she made she did those male characters so well i was just you know i i and so i got to meet her when i was at a rare in london um a few months ago and i i you know raved to i was like I just love you you've done such a great job for me you know so that was pretty cool to get to meet her in person back in the day we didn't get to do that but now the way the publishing world's changed we actually get to meet our narrators that's a pretty cool thing too you know yeah and readers yeah I think it's amazing to meet them too yeah and readers yeah them too and some of them have such a fan base just from the readers are like I can't wait to meet this narrator you know Right, right. When I went to the final RT book conference, they had a whole narrator's track there. And it was so interesting um, hearing from them because they have fan bases now who, you know, will buy the next book, even though they don't know who the author is, but they love that narrator. So they want to hear that story. I was like, wow, that's so amazing. It's a great way to find new authors. 
Yeah, I, my husband buys all his books off of um, who the narrator is, and I have a couple narrators who read um, my books that I try and get them regularly because, like, my readers know that's who it's going to be, and um, they just do such a great job. Um, Jason Clark and Aaron Mellon read a lot of my books, and they do such a great job. But then, um, I mean, there's so many Joe Arden um uh, the truth about cowboys is coming out, and I, my first time to have Andy Art. I'm so excited about that. Um, she's oh, nice. such a great narrator. If you haven't ever listened to an Andy Art book, you should because she will make the book so real and so alive. It's just she's really, really special. When you do your indie book releases, do you do the audio yourself? Do you get to pick the narrator and do the whole thing yourself? I don't. I um, everything I do is contracted through Audible. Um, but they, I've done oh, okay. so many with them that they pretty much let me pick the narrators, or at least thought. You know, <laughs> a lot of times it comes down to their schedule. So, like the reason the truth about Cowboys is coming out in February and Tangled came out sooner is, I wanted Andy for that so badly, and I met her at uh, Rare in London. I'm like, I want you for this so badly. And she's like, well, it's going to be like, you know, after the first year. I'm like, that's okay. I I mean, it'll make the book so amazing. And so that's how it ended up coming out second. But, I mean, again, reading order doesn't really matter. Um, Their stories really stand alone. You do meet uh, Rourke from Tangled Up in Christmas and The Truth About Cowboys, but I mean, I, I really, I don't think it'll affect anybody's, you know, listening enjoyment if they wanted to listen to Tangled um, first, um, because we also want right. Tangled to be out quickly because of the holiday, you know. Right, right. Yeah, because you want to read a Christmas book at Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, um so that's why we made that decision. But again, the narrators, I mean, I've gotten where if it's an Andy Arndt book, I'm going to get it. I mean, that's how I pick my audio now. I, I get so little time to listen because of my writing schedule. Right. So I'll listen when I'm on the treadmill and stuff. So I'm like, okay, what, what, what did Andy just release? So she's great. Oh, that's so cool. So you're doing it too, the narrators that you like. It doesn't matter what the book is. You're going to try that, you know, try it because you like that narrator. Yeah, and um, my husband's always like, you have to get um, this narrator for one of your books. I'm like, I mean, he's like, he loves his narrators. <laughs> he's obsessed. He's. I met my husband at a Barnes & Noble. So um, needless oh, to I say, we were – yeah, we were kind of a in an Austin, Texas with Arboretum, so we were kind of a a good match from the standpoint of he loved books, going right into it. So, yeah, oh, that's so that's, cool. My husband, yeah. I met him in a writers group, so it's good to have somebody who likes books and understands how crazy it is to be a writer. <laughs> it is. I mean that, and you know, we have such a secluded life at home. To have somebody who really understands what we're going through um, and, you know, appreciates it really matters. I mean, I, I plot with my husband all the time. And when I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to make my deadline. I have this and that. He's like, do you want to talk about it? And I'm like, no, no, you can't talk to me about this because it's, you know, this or that or whatever. Like, it's sex or something like that. I'm like, no, I just have to figure this out. You know, people think that writing the sex things might be the easiest part. But to me, it's the hardest because – 
I mean, the thing is, you know, a sex scene only matters if it somehow moves the character's growth along. Otherwise, it's just sex. And um, right. So that means that every time you write one, you have to really be in the emotional place that those characters are and figure out why, does, you know, and if the sex scene doesn't have that emotional growth, then it shouldn't even be there. Um, right. At least that's my opinion. Um so I mean, those usually take me the longest to write. So he's he, he'll say because he's really great at helping me plot things that are, you know, suspense like my suspense plots and things like that. He's really great at helping with that. But I mean, when it comes to the sex scenes and stuff like that, I'm all on my own. <laughs> well, and, you, you know, you're a writer. Plot your you know, sex first? scenes are hard. Right, you know, they are. I, they are. Um, I, I, you know, it depends on the book. Um, like, um, I have some straight thriller stuff, and for those, I um, plot in advance because it just really makes it easier. But, you know, like Inside Out, it's a, um, a long series, and it was a thriller as well. And I knew what was going to happen but how to get there kind of happened, you know, little things like little clues like roses here or something like that. And they, it came to me as I wrote it. Um, <clears throat> so a lot of times, you know, if you plot it, it changes anyway. So I think with my longer series, I do less plotting than when it's a single title thriller. That The single title thrillers I really need to know. With the romances, um, I, I don't. I kind of just go, especially as uh, straight single title I go with where it takes me yeah yeah I'm I'm not much of a plotter I usually know beginning and end and then I'm not quite sure how I'm going to get there but I have learned to trust um in the beginning it was really scary but I've learned to trust the writer intuition that you know it's going to be better than what I thought it was going to be so go with it you know and it always surprises me and it makes writing thrilling even though I'm sitting alone in my corner (laughs) You know, I do think it does. I mean, I've said that to, you hit the nail on the head. I've said that to other people that, um, you know, if I don't really know everything that's going to happen, then I'm discovering it and it makes the process more interesting and fun. And, you know, if you know everything you're writing, you're just writing to an outline. Sometimes that can just seem like, okay, well, I know what I'm writing. And maybe now it's a term paper. Yeah, it's a term paper, exactly. Also, does it limit where you let your mind go for the characters, something you wouldn't have thought of before? I think sometimes it can. Um, Although, you know, some writers, if they hear that you, you know, don't plot, they're like, oh, my God, that just gives me, you know, you know, panic attacks (laughs) just thinking about that. Um, Right. I have a friend. I have a friend who like plots it out in colored colored note cards, so she knows the emotional thing, and and she looks at how I write, and she's like, Ugh. <laughs> oh, everyone's different. Yeah. There is no right or wrong way. <laughs> yeah, when you're with a group of others and you're talking about that, you just see the pe- people who are like, oh my god, I can't believe you do that. But um, but yeah, you know what's funny is so my my Amy Benson series, which is recently optioned by Passion Flakes, um. So it's a, a four oh, book series. So, oh, thank you. Um, so when I got to the end of um, book one, I was like, I knew what the cliffhanger was, but I'm like, oh my god, I do not know where I'm going with this. I am completely. I was. I hadn't had it plotted it out at all. 
And um, so Mm -hmm. I never talk about reviews. But in this particular review, there was somebody who said, um, it's so predictable. Um, Of course, you know exactly what's going to happen. I'm like, oh, my God, can I email her and ask her what she thinks is going to happen? Because maybe it'll give me some ideas. Please tell me. (laughs) (laughs) I really did. And the only other review I've ever talked about, because I thought it was so funny, because all you can do is laugh, is um, I wrote this earlier Texas series, and I actually wrote it about an actual place in um, a, a skydiving place in San Marcos. I renamed it and all, though. But it, San Marcos is about 45 minutes from Austin. And uh, anyway, so the person was like, and I wrote all kinds of things that I knew, like my neighborhood, all kinds of things about Austin. And the person was like, I don't think she's ever even been to Texas. She doesn't even know. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I grew up in that exact area I wrote. I grew up with, you know, in the kicker school and all that. And I was just, I chuckled. I mean, it, but I never talked about reviews other than those two because they made me laugh, you know, I mean. Yeah, right, and, right. <laughs> with reviews, you have to, some people will love you, some people will hate you. One of the things you, I know you know, that you learn early in your career is you just have to know that you can't make everybody happy. But you try really hard. And, we try um, really hard. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we try so hard. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you don't want one single reader to be dissatisfied. But it's just like, you know, I love this TV show and somebody else hates it. You can't ever completely do that. But, you know, all you can do is when you go into the book is try your very hardest to make it something that everyone can enjoy. Um, But I mean, it's like Fifty Shades. Some people were crazy about it and some people thought it was absolutely horrible. I mean, there is nothing, no matter how successful it is, that you will not have a situation where some people love it and some people hate it. Right. I before my first book came out I stumbled across and I I wish I knew the author's name but I can't remember but I stumbled across a blog called Some People Hate Chocolate and she was talking about how her husband hates chocolate doesn't just not like it hates it and she's like she realized at that point that if some people can hate nature's perfect food there will definitely be people who hate your book <laughs> Yeah, oh, so you know one. So so if they can hate chocolate, of course someone can hate your book, and that made me feel so much better. I'm like, wow. That's a great way of because looking at it. Because I love chocolate. I know. Yeah, I know. yeah I'm because like, you can't only please my everyone. Would be that crazy. Obviously, there's somebody other than my mother, but I was like, only my mother can hate chocolate. Oh. But, you know, yeah, this uh, woman's uh, husband, Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. There's two of them in this world. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you have, and the thing is, is that you can, I've had those moments where, oh my God, I love this book so much. I want everyone to read this book. I think Linda Howard's Mr. Perfect is one of those books for me. But you have to be some people who still, like, I've looked at the reviews and some people didn't like that book. I'm like, how could you not like Linda Howard's Mr. Perfect? It's like one of the most perfect books ever. <laughs> But I get it. It's a little, it's a little dated now. Like it has some things like that now would probably be, you know, somebody smacked somebody on the ass in the office or something. And of course, the person in me who owned a staffing agency and who was all HR would be like, oh my god, you can't smack somebody's ass, right? <laughs> you know. But but I mean, the book is just great. So we all, even knowing that you know you have something that you love so much, somebody's not gonna like it, you know. 
Um, right, but. right. My my favorite Dean Koontz book was Door to December. It just it was so fabulous. With it was just figuring it out till the end was amazing. And and so anyway, when my husband and I first got married and and we're pooling our books on the bookshelves, I told him, Oh my gosh, you have to read this book. You have to you have to and you have to love it. And he's like, Okay. So he starts reading this book and he peers over the book at me and he goes, Okay, I keep popping out of the book because the police detectives are looking for phone booths to make a phone call. I'm like, oh my gosh, I might be a little <laughs> dated. So <laughs> yeah, God, I, I'm aging myself, but I remember when I have this memory when I owned my staffing agency of I was in San Antonio um, where I had an office freezing cold for Texas that day and I had to go to a pay phone to make a call and I'm like oh my god that was my life and here we are yeah and now I've seemed really ancient just talking about how I had to go to a cold phone booth to make a phone call <laughs> right oh, right how did we live without cell phones <laughs> I don't know that's what's crazy is I don't know. But, yeah, movies and television. All, I mean, I, just the other day my husband and I were talking about the plot of um, a movie and how it would have completely been changed in today's times because cell phones and all that. It actually, people don't realize how much that affects our writing. I mean, because. Mm-hmm, it does. I mean, it's much, yeah, much trickier for suspense plots and things like that because, you know. It's, you have to get rid know, of that cell, cell phones phone. And all. Yeah. You do. You do. When I wrote Inside Out, there's a scene where she's stuck in the storage unit, and it's like, okay, she does have her cell phone. So what am I going to do about that? You know, right. It does light up. So yeah, it is a dark now, storage now, unit, but now she can wet. use her phone. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now it's wet. But now that doesn't even work. Now they're waterproof. Now it right. Now, oh, my I God. Mean, yeah, I just got a new cell phone because I had dropped mine in the toilet. Now that my husband's like, okay, we've solved that problem. This one, that won't be a problem. Yeah, pretty soon it'll be hard to write thrillers. <laughs> yeah, I dropped it in the toilet. Fortunately, it was a clean water toilet. However, it was in a restaurant. So I had to reach my hand in a restaurant toilet to get my cell phone out. No. I'm like, this is disgusting. Oh, the worst. I want to go back to the table and eat. <laughs> Well, on that note, I, I hate that it's the toilet that we're ending on, but we're ready. <laughs> what better way to end? Merry Christmas. Right. toilet story. <laughs> well, can, um, can you really quickly let everybody know how you like readers to get in touch with you? Sure. Um, I'm uh, on Facebook, author Lisa Renee Jones. I'm on Instagram where I post mostly funny stuff. And that's um, author Lisa Renee Jones as well. And then my website's LisaReneeJones.com. And Twitter, same thing. And I'm always online. I have a private uh, reader group too that's Lisa, um, Lisa Renee Jones Insider Readers, um, which is on my website. And I communicate with everybody all the time. So. Love to hear from you. Well, to you. Thanks so much for being on today. Thanks for joining us on Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.